Yeah. Cut the check, cut the deck, let the cards melt. Spade ace, no bargain, target in a hard sell. Uh, marketing plan, defy argument. Divided with the lines in the mind to find audience. <laughs> Sacrificial lambs, ring the martyrs in. Drop every quarter like bank tellers. We are back for yet another week of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, MMAopinion.co.uk, as well as iTunes and Stitcher, and wherever else you can listen to... Uh, podcast so you can find sucker radio um i will be riding by myself for the first little bit of the show my co-host hosting duties ian bain will be joining me later on but uh i'd like to kick things off obviously with our music guest for the month of october edgar penwork uh he's a good buddy of mine he puts on some good hip-hop music and uh, I'd like to give him a shout out. You can check out his stuff at audiomac.com slash artist slash edge. That's E-D-G-E. Audiomac.com slash artist slash edge. Download his stuff. Check out his music if you like it. Check him out and let him know that you like it. Um, but this show, we've got an absolutely stacked show. So I'm not going to talk abundantly about any big news because there hasn't been huge news but we got a stack show we're going to start things off with Bellator middleweight fighter Kendall Despida Grove he used to fight for the UFC he won the ultimate fighter back in the day and he's making his Bellator debut this Friday night so we'll be chatting with him we'll also chat with three not just one, not two, but three UFC 166 fighters. We'll be chatting. Uh, first things first, we'll be chatting with Tony Ferguson. He's on uh, the undercard at UFC 166 this Saturday night, taking on Mike Rio. We'll chat with him about that fight and his long layoff that he's had um, leading up to this fight. It's been over a year since we've seen Tony back in the octagon, so it'll be nice to see him there. We will then be joined by co-main event fighter Daniel D.C. Cormier, who's taking on Roy Big Country Nelson. Be interesting to hear his thoughts on taking on Big Country because these two have had words for each other. They're, they, they're known not to get along, so um, it, it'll be good to chat with him about that as well as his decision to drop to 205 after this fight. Um, we'll also be joined, finally by um local fighter here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um well she's out of Victoria. Uh UFC 166's Sarah Kaufman who will be taking on um Jessica I on the on the Fox Sports 1 portion of that card. So we'll chat with her about that fight and about her first UFC bout um which she's going to be making her debut at UFC 166 um after a long long wait when she was supposed to fight Sarah McMahon back in August, I believe. So with that, there hasn't been some huge news this week. We've had, obviously, Yushino Kami signed with World Series of Fighting. No surprise. He, there was the option, World Series of Fighting, Bellator. Those are pretty much the two major promotions out there that, that he could sign with, other than possibly 1FC. Um, but that was the big news of the week. Not much else to chat about. Myself and Ian, later on in the show, will go into depth on the UFC 166 card from top to bottom. We'll go over it. And uh, not much else on my plate. So with that, let's get right into our first guest. Let the drum get it. Yeah.
Joining me on the line right now is a former Ultimate Fighter winner and current Bellator fighter. Please welcome to the show, Kendall the Spider Grove. Thanks for taking the time, Kendall. What's up, motherfucker? Nah, nah, nah. No problem, no problem. Anything for MMA fans around the world. For sure. Now, it's been quite some time since we have seen you on a big stage. Um, what's been going on with Kendall Grove? I'm just fighting in every other organization under the sun. Uh, they're fighting more internationally. I fought for uh, AFC in uh, Canada. I fought uh, in Australia. I fought in uh, Poland uh, and across the United States. But uh, now I'm back on this big stage on uh, network television, and uh, I'm excited. How good does it feel to get back on to, uh, with a promotion that is on network television, or or does that even matter to you? I mean, obviously, from a from a sponsorship standpoint, it's great to be seen on national TV. Uh, it, it feels good, man. Uh, it's awesome uh, to get that uh, exposure and recognition. Uh, like I said, I've been fighting a lot internationally, and uh, I'm getting more internationally exposed. But now I'm back in the States, um, trying to make a second run at it. You know, uh, Bellator is probably the second biggest organization out there to the King King UFC, but uh, uh, it, it, it's doing good, man. It, it, every, every week um, there's a show that, that brought back that tournament-style uh, aspect of fighting and uh, a quick road to the title, you could say. Not easy, but quick. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm excited to get in there this weekend, get that win, and uh, be in the next middleweight tournament. So that is the plan for you, then, is is to become a part of the tournament. As Bellator likes doing these tournaments, as you said, it's finding a road to the title. Um, are you a fan of tournaments? Oh, yeah. Uh, shit, I was a fan of the tournaments back in the day when Kai uh, did it and uh, when the UFC used to do it. Uh, I'm more of a fight two times in one night kind of guy. I'm the, that's why I always joked around. That's why I was fighting in all these other organizations. Like, uh, I, I back-to-back, man. I, I fought uh, on a Saturday in Canada, and then the following Friday I, I fought back here in Maui, and then two weeks later I fought in Poland. <laughs> So uh, just uh, that's the one good thing, man. You had uh, I had my freedom um, to get more experience, uh, cage experience, and um, um, the willingness just to fight anytime. You know, uh, a promotion called. I said okay without even even hesitating. Um, now I'm I've always believed in myself, but now more just because uh, I've been doing that, just fighting anybody, anytime, anywhere. Now, now, not to harp on the negative or anything, but you speak about the, the tournament, and you said that you're going to enter the middleweight tournament. Is that a win or lose thing for you? Uh, I'm not sure. i got, I got to see, but uh, I ain't losing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> uh, I've lost enough in my career, so... Um, no, I... It happens, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, it comes down to who, who wants it more and who came more prepared that night, and um, um, and I think I'm, I know, I don't think, I know I'm ready, uh, I've been um, wanting to get back on this stage for a while, it took a while, 
Uh, I wanted to fight for Bellator as soon, as soon as I left the UFC. I don't know what happened, uh, but everything happens for a reason. Now I'm here. It took a, it took a year and a half, almost two years, but shit, I'm here now, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm taking advantage of the moment that I have. I'm not going to waste it, and um, we'll see. Now you're set to take on Joe Vadepo at this Friday's Bellator 104 event. Um, what did you know about your opponent coming into this matchup? Uh, I know he's a wrestler. Uh, I know he's strong. Um, I know guys who've trained with him and said he he's a beast. And um, but uh, where he lacks, uh, I came more strong in the striking area. Uh, this camp, I've been working a lot of wrestling because I was supposed to fight um, um, Keith Berry on November second, and then last minute they switched it up to where now I'm fighting Joe Vitapol, um on the 18th this this Friday. Um, I, I don't know the reason they just told me, and I was like, you know, as long as I still have a fight, I'm. So I've been working a lot of my wrestling with uh, Michael Bisbean. Uh, on top, he was he was supposed to fight Mark Munoz, so uh, it kind of worked out. I, I wanted to take Keith Bailey's a tough striker, man. He, he comes with it, so I wanted to um, work my takedowns on him. So it kind of worked out that they switched the last minute, and now I'm fighting a wrestler. So. I think my wrestling's on point, and um, my wrestling defense, and my wrestling conditioning. Um, on top of that, I, I've been working my striking a lot ever since I got leg bust from the UFC because I was this heel. Um, and obviously, I'm six six. I have a long reach, and it's about goddamn time I, I started to use it. <laughs> no doubt. Now this guy is a—he's—he's he's a vet of of the UFC two times. He's also fought with Bellator. But unless you're a hardcore fan, you wouldn't really know the name. Um, at this point in your career, does it matter to you who you fight, or or does big name recognition sort of play a part in the in in your match choosing? I really don't care. Uh, most of my career, I've been doing—I I, I fought big names, you know, uh, with the UFC and outside of the UFC. Uh, I, that that wasn't my problem. Just because I'm a fighter, I'll fight. You know, uh, if you match me up, I'm not going to turn on an opportunity to fight. So um, at the end of the day, he, the Bellator offers it, whoever I'll fight him. And um, Vegas can't be choosers. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and nitpick. And obviously, the bigger picture, I'm not looking past uh, Vita Paul, man. Uh, uh, once I start looking past somebody, it's going to be a short night for myself. So, um, but the bigger picture for me is the tournament, and um, I'm not even going to insult Shlomenko right now by calling him out. Now, I definitely got to earn my right to step in the cage with them. But I win that tournament, then, um, like I said, I got to get there first. I'm not looking past beautiful, but uh, when I get there and um, I win that tournament, then. I definitely uh, earned the right to um, fight for the belt, and um, I think I can win it. I'm not looking past anybody, not not downplaying Shlomenko, but I feel I've grown. Uh, I'm a, I've fought the who's who in the UFC, and uh, I beat some of them. I lost to some of them, and um, that's fighting. You know, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that I've lost, and I've looked terrible in the past. Hey, I'm human. But the difference is I've learned from those mistakes and uh, I plan on not making those same mistakes where it put me in uh, harm's way before. 
Now you speak about Shlomenko. I, I I wasn't even gonna ask this, but you sort of brought it up. He's on like an eleven fight win streak. No one seemed to be able to figure him out. He's been TKOing guys, knocking guys out, um, winning by decision in in some of them fairly close fights. Um, where do you see yourself say, setting yourself apart from this guy? Um, just more technical. He's a brawler. He he's strong and he's tough. Uh, I'm not taking that away. He's he's technical too. Um, but um, like he said in his interviews, man, he's tough. Man, he's Russian. <laughs> uh, those guys are uh, crazy fuckers. You know what I mean? And uh, um, they they got a good work ethic, uh, which I think helps out a lot. And um. Uh, he knows his shit. He's a veteran, and uh, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's the champ. He he's earned to be number one in Bellator, and um, like I said, man, we'll see. Uh, uh, on top of me winning the tournament, which is a tough task at hand, and then on top of that, if I do, I gotta get ready for him, which is another mountain that I need to climb, and. Um, but only time will tell. Now, you spoke about training with Michael Bisping. Um, what made you set that up? Um, he, he's been a close friend of mine uh, since the show. I'm not really too close uh, from when the show, he did his own thing. He lived in England, and he, well, uh, every once in a while we'll see each other at a, uh, at a show, and he always uh, gave me the invite. Oh, man, if you ever uh, want to come train, come train. But I never really pulled the trigger up until um, recently, uh, about two years ago. I started training with him, and uh, it's a good relationship, man. We push each other, and uh, he's helped me a lot uh, on getting back in the mindset that I need to to be a, a contender at middleweight. And um, uh, like they say, man, you're only as good as your training partners and uh, the people you fight, and so. I took myself with a, you know what I mean, a ranked middleweight in the UFC who's, uh, who's fought for number one contendership, who's been ranked, and um, he's helped me out a lot, man, and uh, very appreciated for him to um, ask, ask to go and train with him, and uh, I'm, I'm just blessed, man. Now, you're kicking off the main card live on Spike TV. I'm sure you've been visualizing this fight and dreaming about it. How can fans expect to see you finish Vita Po? Uh, TKO, KO, or uh, choke. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's tough, man. Uh, I'm going to have to weather the storm in the beginning, but I'm going to use my range and um, stick him with the jab. And once I start doing that, he's going to give me some openings, and I'm going to capitalize on it. And I'm going to try and finish uh, from the opening bell. I'm going to try and finish him. And... Uh, like I said, man, uh, only time will tell. Um, uh, right now, I ain't worried about him. I'm worried about my weight. <laughs> I got to cut some weight. So I got like at least uh, 11 pounds more. And I'm flying to um, Iowa today. And um, I'll start worrying about him on Thursday right after the weigh-ins. Just a couple more questions here for you, Kendall, before we let you go. Now, for the people who haven't seen you fight since the release from the UFC. How has Kendall Grove evolved since then? Uh, better striker. Um, way better striker. 
I finished my last guy via TKO. Danny Mitchell's from England. Um, and I just, I fought in Poland. Uh, Miha Matella, where I got ripped off at KSW. I fucked him up uh, with, with strikes. And um, I just feel like I'm a better striker all around. And uh, I feel like I'm going to start fucking people up with my hands and my feet and my knees and my elbows. So um, if you hate me, tune in. You might see me, you might get what you want. If you like me, tune in. You'll guarantee see what you want to see me knocking somebody the fuck out. <laughs> Is your overall goal? Do you have a goal to get back to the UFC, or, or are you just playing it by ear at this point? I'm happy. You know, uh, they didn't want me. Uh, I, I've seen guys who who've been knocked out four times and still with them. I, I lost two decision losses to two tough up and comers, which is Damian Maya and uh, Tim Boats. Um, they've always treated me well. You know, um, Dana, was, uh, Dana gets a bad rap, man. Everybody hates Dana. Um, he's always treated me well, and I have no ill will towards him. It's a business, um, but they didn't want me, so uh, I'm happy with Bellator. You know, uh, I, I got I to gotta earn my spot uh, this weekend. This is going to be my first fight with Bellator, but I like the organization. I like what, what, what they offer, and I, I like their format uh, in fighting. So uh, hopefully I can start a new... Uh, relationship with them and uh, move on to big things with them and eventually uh, be a contender and possibly the champ. And um, um, But as of now, no immediate um, urgency to get back to the UFC. <laughs> now, finally, before we let you go, the whole reason we, we, we got this interview, we, we hooked it up, we, we got it through Chris Mills at NeverTap, um, who's one of your sponsors. I just wanted to ask you how that relationship came to be and why you decided to choose to go with a sponsorship company like NeverTap. Uh, well, I, I met uh, Chris in uh, Canada for when I fought Ariel Gandula up there last, I think it was last November or a few Novembers ago. Um, uh, I think it was AFC 13. Uh, John Alessio was the main event. At that time, man, because he was friends with John, I was up there by myself. Uh, the country didn't let my cornerman in. <laughs> so I was flying solo. And um, so I got to meet him, um, traded numbers, and uh, I, I already had a sponsor at the time. And then... Um, I still had his number, and I was looking for sponsors for uh, Bellator, and then I just shot him a text, and uh, he, he, he's always followed me on Twitter. He's always retweeted me. He's always supported me, and uh, even even when he wasn't uh, representing me with NeverTap, but um, now I had the opportunity to bring him in as a, spy, uh, a, a main sponsor, clothing sponsor, um, and um, it's awesome, man. He, he, he's cool. He... he Cheats fighters good, and um, I love it. I love the relationship that we have. Awesome. I'm just privileged for a company like that to uh, pick me up. For sure. He is Kendall Grove. He's set to take on Joe Vetipo, uh this Friday night at Bellator 104. Kendall, thanks for doing this, and, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Um, you can uh, look for me on Twitter, Kendall Grove MMA, uh, uh, at me, because <laughs> I add people back. I'm not one of those Hollywood guys that don't add people. Even guys, even haters, I'll add them back. I'll get to fight with them on Twitter just for shits and giggles. 
all the best, Kendall, and, and good luck with, with your Bellator career. All right, thank you, guys. Kendall Grove amped up to fight for Bellator Fighting Championship. Um, looking, not looking past his opponent next or this Friday night, but is looking forward to getting into that middleweight tournament. Yeah, and you know, I think Bellator, especially for the middleweight division, they need to try and get some names in there. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of years they've had problems getting the title defended, especially since Hector Lombard joined the UFC. So, you know, but more opponents for Shrimpo the better. I think Kendall Grove definitely has the name value to go into there. Uh, interesting enough, he said he wasn't necessarily looking to get back to the UFC. He 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 wants to make the run at Bellator, possibly be a title contender or a champion with Bellator, but the UFC isn't necessarily on his radar at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm not actually sure whether whether he has it in him still to to actually make it back to the UFC, and that that's not a knock on him because we've seen guys like Ben Saunders who've carved out you know a great career. Real and Bellator, and there's there's no shame being a title contender in Bellator by any means. No, not at all. And and I'm looking forward to see what, seeing what Kendall Grove can do in the Bellator ranks because, as you said, middleweight isn't a division where they have a ton of title contenders. Um, we saw Brett Cooper get two different chances. Um, well, he fought Schlemenko twice, not both for the title, but we've seen him right up there. Um, but other than him, we haven't seen many steady names in the middleweight division in Bellator. No, and, and you know, a lot of people did think that they would have been interested in Yushin Akami. Obviously, he signed for World Series of Fighting. So, you know, there isn't, you know, middleweight division, even in the UFC, isn't the strongest division. There isn't a lot of people, you know, floating around. So any named opponent that Bellator can get for £185, I think that's going to be a positive for the promotion. For sure. Well, moving right along, um, up next, right after this uh, little introduction, we will chat with Tony Ferguson. Joining me now is a former Ultimate Fighter winner who is set to take on Mike Rio at UFC 166. Please welcome to the show Tony Ferguson. Tony, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. For sure. Now, you returned to the cage at UFC 166. We haven't seen you since May of last year due to injury. Can you sort of just talk us through that injury and, and how you're feeling now? Oh, man, the injuries suck. Uh, first and foremost, actually, uh, I was in the second round, and uh, me and Michael Johnson were just starting to like get into the groove, and I took a nasty couple of shots to the arm. And uh, at first, it felt like an old football injury where it was just kind of stung, and I wasn't sure if it was broke or not, but I just knew I had to keep going through. And uh, that's exactly what I did. You know, I pushed right through, and I gave all my heart, and I pushed all the way through. And unfortunately, I came out with a loss. Um, I had to have a surgery, and uh, the guy put a staple in it, and uh, which seemed like a staple, so it was like a small plate. And uh, it didn't heal as right, and I had to have a second surgery with a bone graft. And now I have a humongous plate on there about the size of my forearm with about nine pins in it. And, uh, and honestly, I, I moved locations, got new management, had a different doctor, and changed my whole life around because of it. 
So it was a blessing in disguise. And I'm actually doing really good and really well prepared for UFC 166. So what sort of uh, physiotherapy and stuff did that take with, I mean, it sounds like you got sort of like a RoboCop-style leg going on. Yeah, it was actually really funny. Uh, the first therapist that I had, actually, uh, she wasn't she wasn't too sure exactly, like, because I was really strong uh, with my therapy, you know, and uh, they didn't put me in a cast. They were like, hey, you know, if we if we trust you not to stay on it and, uh, you know, what we won't, won't do is put you in a cast so that way you can keep moving and uh, keep mobile with it and blah, blah, blah. And that was probably the worst decision that they probably could have ever did, um, you know, knowing that I'm really active anyway. So when they told me that I was good to go, I wasn't really good to go. It was around like 70%. So my rehab the first time wasn't the greatest. And uh, I think it was my fault because I didn't go to a sports therapist. Uh, when I made the move from Ventura to Orange County, uh, I ended up going to OC Fight Docs. And they actually uh, referred me to Dr. Mora, Dr. Steve Mora, who does wonderful jobs with all the actual fighters. It's funny, when I go in there, I see a bunch of fighters in there. And... Uh, his bedtime manner was amazing, and so was OC Fight Docs, and they got me right back on my feet in no time. Was I listened there, to the directions, and it was perfect. Was there any worry, like, with, with the initial injury that, that you could be out forever? Yeah, and definitely it was in my mind. I was, uh, you know, it, it, it stuck in my head that I wasn't going to be able to compete again, but what I ended up doing was I pushed forward, and I kept a positive attitude, and I healed rather quickly, and, you know, just... For myself and past previous injuries, I mean, I've been competing in sports since I was about four years old. So I've been hurt before, you know, and, I've, and the difference between being hurt and injured, my coach has already explained. But what I do is I prayed and I, and I, I laid on it and I, I, I put everything in focus and I, I had to switch everything in my whole life to make sure that it wasn't going to be one of those choices where I wasn't going to be able to compete anymore. Now, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does completely. Now, we know that as as an MMA fighter, you always want to put your last loss behind yeah. you. Um, with a long layoff, especially as long as yours, is it worse coming off of a loss? You know what? No, not really. I think coming off of a loss is actually a lot better, actually. It gives you a lot of fuel to be able to you know, push inside the, the realm of the practice room. For me, that's what I use as fuel. You know, you, you can't have that anger. to, to You don't want that. Actually, you know, it doesn't even matter what kind of energy you have. This, this, this injury was probably, like I said, a blessing in disguise. It gave me the energy that I needed to push and drive and make me want to compete again. You know, that, that, that closeness to not even be able to compete was just enough to push me to the edge to, like, just, you know, just to overcome it. You know, I've had a lot of different things in my life where it's pushed me to the boundaries where I wasn't able to compete again, and I overcame it. And I knew that I have a strong heart and mind, and I had good people around me, my wife and family, and, you know, and I switched my, situated myself around good, strong-hearted people, and that's what kept me up and above. Nice. Uh, it, it, was a long, it was a long, hard journey, man. I'm not going to lie to you. And there was times where I sat on the couch depressed as hell, and, you know, and, I, and I was eating like crazy fast food left and right, and I thought I wasn't going to even be able to do it. But I was watching inspirational movies like Rocky Kickboxer and all these movies that I used to watch when I was little, and I got that drive back. You know, and I got that heat, and I got that fire back in my eyes, and I wanted to come back, and exactly what happened, what I wished, it happened. So did you lose that drive a little bit after the Ultimate Fighter then? 
after the Ultimate Fighter, no way, man. It was awesome. I went on a roll. I ended up I ended up winning all four of the Ultimate Fighter things, including the season finale, and I ended up beating Aaron Riley. I came back and I beat Eve Edwards, and it was a lot of fights in that year. You know, it's almost like an athlete that, that played sports for a long time, and I think I might have even got burnt out a little bit. You know, and my camp wasn't the same. I was plateauing in my camp, and my, my practice partners were good, but they weren't as good as like I needed to be, like the UFC caliber, yeah. and it just, it just didn't happen. The last fight, it, you know, I hate to say it, but crap happens. You know, shit happens. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk about your upcoming fight, UFC 166, Mike Rio. We know he has a strong wrestling base, as do you, but your two finishes inside the octagon have been via knockout. Do you plan on keeping this fight on the feet? I know I plan on keeping the fight on the feet, but I'm well prepared to go on the ground. All I've been doing is preparing. I'm over at 10 Planet Jiu-Jitsu. I got my purple belt. I study under Eddie Bravo, and I'm going. I, I practice over at Costa Mesa, uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And, you know, I train under Jason Manley, too, over at a rain uh, training center. And, you know, I have Mark Munoz in my background. So I'm not afraid of this guy. You know, if he wants to bring it to the ground, which I know he's going to want to, it, you know what, let's go. I'm welcome. You know, more than welcome to do it. You know, it's going to be much more of an interesting fight if he wants to happen. You know, come out with a southern night. That's awesome. You talk about Eddie Bravo. I was actually going to bring that up. We spoke with him. He was up here in Vancouver a few weeks back. Um, we spoke with him just asking him some fights that he was excited about coming up, and, and yours was one that he mentioned. He's very excited about your upcoming fight. What's it feel like to have such a big name in the jiu-jitsu community behind you? It's awesome, dude. You know, and I and I never like you know I never like to throw names around and toss them around. But it's a huge compliment when I have a big name like Eddie Bravo, you know, say these nice things to me or, or you know hear from another person because you know that's inspiration right there. I don't go, you know, and do a lot of talking. I let my moves and my techniques do the talking. And he tells me, you know, and he sends me texts. And, you know, I don't want to say exactly what he sends me, but it's inspirational, man. And the things that, like a coach, you know, like when I was over at Grand Valley State University, my coach used to send me texts and, and have these words of inspiration to me. So it's another reminder of, like, I'm doing something right. And it's getting recognized by these high-level coaches, which means I'm on the right pathway. You know, I'm following the directions that they're giving me, and I'm listening inside and outside of the ring and in the octagon, and it's going to help me in the long run, man. And, you know, having Eddie Bravo as a mentor and a coach, it's awesome, man. And he's not one of the only ones that I have as my jiu-jitsu coaches. I have a lot of other people to be thankful for, too. For sure. Now, did you know a lot about Mike Rio before this fight was put together? No, I did not. Uh, I I kind of knew. I was watching on Tough Live, and uh, me and my wife were actually watching... uh, uh, when, when the name came up, and she she actually recognized the name before I did, and uh, she does all of her homework, and she you know as soon as I as soon as I knew that I was going to fight this guy, boom, I had all the fight film and everything from the UFC. They sent me information, and you know, and I was watching. I knew he was going to be a solid wrestler. I know he's nine and two. He trains out of Miami, and Michael Johnson and Eve Edwards are all from that area, especially American Top Team. And I know he's going to have a lot of like. Uh, insider info but it's not gonna even matter man or you know nobody's gonna help him inside or outside that cage you know <laughs> yeah you mentioned like yourself he was featured on the ultimate fighter um it it'd be a miss for me not to talk about this season um how do you think having the dynamic of women being in the house as well as men would have gone down on your season excuse me one more time what was that one more time? No, I said, how do you think the dynamic of, of women being in the house as well as men would have gone down on your season? Oh, uh, man, it was either way, you know. I, I had to buckle down when on that season, you know. I had to battle through some injuries in there, too. And, you know, the Ultimate Fighter house is one of those things that you just had. I, I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into. It was funny because I tried out three times. 
And on the third time was actually my weight class. And I told him, I was like, hey, guys, you guys told me to come back, and this is my weight class. This is my hardware. I had two belts. I had a pure combat belt. I had an 805 county belt. And I just put them all in numbers. And when they gave me the shot to go on it, this was my opportunity for my that, that one position, you know, when you start out as a mailbox room and you're trying to work your way up to the CEO position. You know, this is exactly what I wanted. This is why I quit my jobs and, you know, and I quit all the BS jobs so I can come back and do this. You know, competition is my life and the ultimate fighter gave me the chance to do this, you know, to compete at the highest level, which I always wanted to do. I mean, when I was little, I used to watch all these movies and, and I always wanted to, you know, be the world's best fighter. But, you know, in sports, you know, you're not supposed to fight. So this was another way for me to compete and to go out there and aggressively compete, you know, in my nature to, you know, to, I guess you would say, like, to show all of my attributes, you know, inside and outside of the cage. For you know, sure. the ultimate fighter is probably like a blessing in disguise, man, because, you know, a lot of people, they say, it, you know, that actually, you know, a lot of people say, like, in the show, they're like, oh, I don't ever want to do this again. Well, me, I would love to have done it again. You know, I, I had some good times and some bad times in that thing, and you know what? It made me a much stronger person and a much stronger fighter, and I've learned from a lot of mistakes, and I've learned from a lot of good things inside of that place, and it set me for up for who I am today. Have you been watching this season at all? I have, actually, and my buddy Chris Beal actually was on the on the show this season, and uh, he didn't do too bad, but he ended up losing in that one part, But and it's funny because, you know, it's only until you get inside that house that you realize exactly what you can go through, and it's crazy, man, and I think they're a little bit more lenient now, like letting the fighters outside of the house, which I think is kind of BS, they should have kept them in there, you know, <laughs> but... uh you know, it's it's one of those things. I'm glad to see that the show is taking off, and I'm, I'm glad to see that the dynamic is actually changing with all, you know, the men and the women inside there. And, you know, it just raises up the level of competition. You know, sooner or later it was bound to happen, and I'm glad it is. You know, Dana's doing great things, and Zufa and the Fertitas are doing awesome. And, you know, it's just it's just amazing for what the sport's going to be able to do. You're listening to Tony Ferguson here on Sucker Radio. Just a few more questions for you, Tony, before we let you go here. Um with such a long layoff, we spoke about it, how, how it's been life-changing for you. What are the big goals for you over the next year? Over the next year is just to get back on that road to gold, man. You know, when I started up on this, I had, you know, I was, what, four, five, six, and oh, you know, like coming out from being inside the house and, you know, after defeating Eve Evans, and then Michael Johnson came up and I didn't prepare the way that I should have prepared for that fight. You know, so it was a big, huge roadblock, and it was just like one of those things, like, you know, when you're about to try to bowl 300 game, and you're in the 10th frame, and you're like, I'm that one first, and boom, you miss one pin. Bang, what are you going to do? You know, and, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, I started reading this book uh, by Brian Kane. It's called The Daily Dominator, and he talks about, like, how a lot of these pitchers, when they get inside the game, where they, if they have, like, a bad pitch or they have a bad inning, instead of relying on that one bad pitch or that bad inning, you know, look for the now and, and flush that down the toilet and make sure that you're preparing for the next play. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm preparing for that next day. I'm not looking past Mike Real, but what I'm doing is I'm looking to get him, defeat him, and looking for my next opponent so I can get back on that road to goal. You know, that 155, I'm not just here to compete. I'm here to compete for the goal. That's it. That's my goal. Very fired up. Now, let's talk about one guy who is also fired up. You said that you're training with Rain. Mark Munoz is behind you. Um, he's got Leota Machida coming up at the end of this month. How do you see that fight going down? And, and obviously you're picking Mark Munoz to win that bout, but um, how do you yes, see sir. it going down? I see Mark Munoz kicking his butt, man. Just see him. He's got a fire in his butt. I see him when he's in training, and I just see a different kind of person, man. I, I look at him as like a mentor, too, and I just see that his drive, his conditioning, and the way that he changed everything in his camp and how positive he is. I see him coming out with the victory, and I see him coming out with the TKO on Machida. You know, I think he's going to take him down. He's going to beat him up. 
You know, I, that's just how I see it. Finally, Tony, and we thank you for your time. In a perfect world, how does Tony Ferguson finish Mike Rio at UFC 166? In a perfect world, Tony Ferguson finishes Mike Rio with a knockout. But I would love to go out there and demonstrate a lot of the jiu-jitsu and the wrestling that a lot of people have missed out on over the last couple of years that I've actually been competing. And I'd like to come out with a sub of the night victory. He's Tony Ferguson, as we said, set to take on Mike Rio at UFC 166. Thank you for your time, Tony. Uh, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Hey, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Tony Ferguson XT and Instagram, the same thing, Tony Ferguson XT. That's F E R G U S O N. And you guys can follow me on my Facebook at El Kukui 155 Pounds. Thanks, Tony, and, and good luck at UFC 166, man. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Tony Ferguson looking to get back to his winning ways Saturday night at UFC 166. He's on the online prelims, as we said, against Mike Rio. Haven't seen him in action for quite some time. Um, in the in- injury after a loss, um, he said it was better that way because, you know, he has more time to prepare to get back for this fight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Tony Ferguson back. Um you know, Michael Johnson at the time, you know, a lot of people were, were playing off Michael Johnson and that was a bad defeat for Tony Ferguson. You know, we've seen Michael Johnson's actually turned into a decent fighter himself. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how good he looks after that time off. And I think Mike Rio isn't the greatest fighter in the world, but he's a good little sturdy test for Tony Ferguson to, to get back in the UFC ranks there. I think so too, and and the thing that gets me about Tony Ferguson is, yes, he won the Ultimate Fighter, but the guy who he fought against in the finals has actually done a lot better for himself than Tony has in the UFC. Yeah, you know, that comes down to, you know, being able to fight more often. I think we're coming up to, what is it going to be, 18 snally by this weekend in terms of when Tony Ferguson last fought, so... You know, just getting himself on a steady stream of maybe fighting three times a year for Tony Ferguson's got to be the key. And we hope so. I mean, he says he's got a bit of a robotic leg now, so hopefully that'll keep him in check and and he'll be able to fight a lot more. Um, Speaking of UFC 166 this weekend, we're going to go over the main card action right now, right before our next guest. So uh, kicking things off, we'll just... Run through the main card. You give me your prediction here, uh, Ian, and and I'll go back and forth with you. Um, kicking off the main card, we got flyweight fight. Very exciting. Number two in the flyweight division, John Dodson taking on Daryl Montag. Um, should be a very interesting fight um, in terms of, you know, stylistic matchup. Both are very fast. Both are very flashy. But... I, I have a tough time picking against John Dodson. Yeah, you know, Daryl's a, a welcome addition to the UFC flyweight ranks. You know, he should have been in the UFC probably when they did bring 125 pounds around. He's He's gone and he's, he's had a few more fights, built up some more experience, which I think was definitely needed. Um, they haven't given him an easy task. You know, John Dodson, you know, people might look at how dominant Mighty Mouse is, but people see to forget that John Dodson had Demetrius Johnson in a little bit of trouble with his power. Um, you know, if you look at 125 pounds, there aren't many guys you know that have that knockout power, and John Dodson is definitely one of them that does. Uh, I like I like Daryl a lot, but I, I just can't pick against Dodson. I think he probably finishes Daryl probably second or third round after a, a bit of a, a good little fight in the opening stanza there. With a finish, do you think Dodson gets uh, 
Demetrius Johnson or um, Joseph Benavidez next? Um, I I don't think so. I think, you know, I was actually thinking about this today, who I would like to see Dodson fight if he did win. Um, and there's a fight coming up next week at UFC uh, Manchester between John Lineker and Phil Harris. And I think... You know, God bless Phil Harris. I don't think he has much of a chance against John Lineker. So I think if they could do Dodson and Lineker as a number one contender fight, that would make a lot of sense. They're both, you know, similar style, big, heavy handed. Dodson's obviously got a great wrestling background. So I think that could be a fight they make. But on 25 is one of them that they don't have a lot of fighters in. It's just a case of, you know, a guy looking impressive and. You know, we've got a fights coming up with guys like Ian McCall fighting uh, Scott Jorgensen who's coming down and, you know, Ali Bagatonov versus Tim Elliott who looked great in his last fight. So 125, you know, if it's anybody's, you know, fight to take for that next title shot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up on the card, we got heavyweights Gabriel Gonzaga against Sean Jordan. Um, this one, someone's getting knocked out. Yeah, and I- <laughs> I actually think it's probably going to be Gonzaga that gets knocked out. Uh, I've been impressed by Sean, apart from the Congo fight. I thought he looked good against Barry. He looked great against Russo coming back from that first-round adversity. He showed that he has a, a good chin. Um, you know, with Gonzaga, he's, he's hit and miss. He looked great against Herman coming out and blasting him at UFC 162. I hope I was right with the number there. Um, so it's it's... Touch and go on who actually pick you. Yeah, I have to favor Jordan just because of how inconsistent Gonzaga is. Yeah, it's interesting looking at the statistics on this fight. Um, Gonzaga has gone to a decision zero percent, and Sean <laughs> and Sean Jordan's only gone seven percent. So Jordan is looking like he's gonna if if he's to win seventy three percent is is TKO KO rating. Um, whereas Gonzaga looks like if he were to win this, it, it might be a submission victory. Yeah, and I think he does have a, a gigantic advantage there. It's just whether or not enough he's actually going to do that because Gonzaga this time round in the UFC has shown more of a willingness to grapple, which ultimately cost him his first place in the UFC. Um, but it's just anyone's guess whether he can get Jordan down because Jordan's takedown defense isn't too shabby um, up against the cage, you know, Congo isn't a great wrestler, but he couldn't really get Jordan down, and that, that's what made that fight boring. They were just up against the cage, so I just hope that we don't get another copy of that fight of them trying to take each other down. Yeah, yeah, I'm picking Sean Jordan in this one as well, so we're we're alike on both these two first co- fights. Uh, this one, the next one up, we got Gilbert Melendez, Diego Sanchez. Getting to see Diego Sanchez back inside the octagon against the number two lightweight in the world, Gilbert Melendez. Um I feel bad for Diego Sanchez in this one. Yeah, so do I. I think it's going to be tough. We haven't seen him at 155 pounds. BJ Penn lost back way back at UFC 107. So it's it's going to be interesting. The weight cut itself for Diego is he going to be um, as bad on the cardio side as he was the last time. He's got great cardio at welterweight, but it seemed in the two fights he had at 155 that he didn't really have the gas tank there and Melendez is relentless and he's going to be someone to push it I, I'm, I'm obviously going to pick Melendez for this fight but 
I'm a little bit cautious because if there's ever a guy who seems to pull a Leonard Garcia, it's Diego Sanchez, as we saw in the Martin Kampman fight and a few of our fights. He has a knack of picking up decisions when he doesn't deserve them. Yeah, and he's he's going to continually continuously push the pace. He has that frantic action. He's, he's not going to let Gilbert Melendez take it to him because he's going to constantly be pushing forward, which we have seen, as you said, in the judge's eyes, um, give it that direction. Yeah, and, and that's... The, the problem really you know he got the, the fight against the uh, Takenori Gomi which I thought he lost as well um, which was at 155 pounds I was just make, thinking now I made the mistake of saying it was BJ Penn but he did take that fight with Gomi at 155 pounds as well so I actually don't know if Diego has a lot left in him for the UFC, I think Welterweight had gone a bit stale for him. They tried to put him down at 155. They've given him a mammoth task, you know, to come down and, and fight Melendez straight away after a, a sceptical judging call there. So I'm going to go Melendez. I, I don't think he finishes Sanchez. Um, but, you know, as I said, Diego is one of those guys who can rob a decision. Well, all three of us... All three of these first fights were both going the same. I think it's going to go to a decision as well. And I'm taking Gilbert Melendez. Uh, co-main event, heavy back in the heavyweight division, we got Daniel DC Cormier taking on Roy Big Country Nelson. Uh, this one is a fight that I'm ex- very, very much so looking forward to. Not necessarily for the fight, but to see um, Roy Nelson without a beard again. <laughs> Yeah, you'll probably look about 10 years younger, so that's going to be interesting. It's, it's a, it is a good fight on paper. Um, I got a lot of bit, a lot of stick with a few people that I've spoke to this week because they kind of think that Roy Nelson's going to be able to land that big right hand. I'm I'm not the you know thinking that way. I think Roy's a, a very average heavyweight. He, the guys he has beat by not in the UFC, if you look at them, Brendan Schaub, Czech Congo, Dave Herman, Stefan Struve, they've all got a little bit of a, a chin issue, if you ask me. So, you know, he does have a big right hand. I think that's what he's got going for him. But I can't pick against Daniel Cormier. And I'm even going to put my neck on the line. I think Daniel Cormier might actually finish Roy Nelson. Do you? I, I'm, I'm not leaning the other way. I think Daniel Cormier is going to win. But I think his way to victory in this fight is the same as his UFC debut. I think he's going to push Roy Nelson up against the cage and just grind it out because I, I don't think he wants to take it to the ground. I, uh, Roy Nelson has a great jiu-jitsu game. We know that he can sweep guys. Yes, Daniel Cormier has the wrestling pedigree where he can hold guys down, but but Roy Nelson is a big heavyweight, and, and he he has his way with his jiu-jitsu game. So I see this being a stalemate up against the cage with Daniel Cormier dictating where it's going to be against the cage. I am picking Daniel Cormier, but I'm choosing it by unanimous decision. Yeah, you see, I'm of the opposite opinion. A lot of people throw that Roy Nelson great jiu-jitsu game, but, you know, my question, and not just directed you to the fans, is when was the last time Roy showed any good ground game in, in MMA? You know, it's been probably, I think, 2006 since he submitted someone. He's got a good top game, but whenever he's been, the brief moments we've saw on his back, he's panicked and try to shuffle up and I think when you've got someone like Cormier who is absolutely one of the top wrestlers in MMA his his credentials outweigh most guys you know anyone in heavyweight you know even Cain Velasquez as good as a wrestler he is on paper Daniel Cormier puts him to shame so 
I just think Roy tires a lot, and we've seen, you know, in that Miosic fight, if Stipe had a little bit more about him, I think he could have pushed Roy Nelson and possibly got a, a TKO and just finish him off. I- yeah, we'll definitely see how that one plays out. Uh, main event, heavyweight title. We got three heavyweight fights on this main card. Uh, the heavyweight title up for grabs in the main event in the trilogy fight between Cain Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos. Everyone and their mothers seem to be counting Junior Dos Santos out of this fight. Yeah, and that's, that's crazy because nobody has the knockout power of Junior Dos Santos at heavyweight. Even, you know, his last fight we saw, he fought a very good strike on Mark Hunt. And I was a little skeptical. I thought, you know, Mark Hunt might have been able to cause some problems for Dos Santos on the feet. But it was the obvious. It was Dos Santos who was causing all the problems. And I, I won't count him out. I think there is a great chance that he's going to get an early knockout again because he's, he's clearly going to have to keep his hands up better than he did in the second fight. He kept his hands low, didn't respect the power of Kane, and, and Kane went in there and steamrolled him. But I am probably going to be picking Kane Velasquez in this fight. It's, it's hard not to after that second fight. I'd agree with you there, I, 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 and I am agreeing with you. I think Junior Dos Santos, though, is easily one of the best boxers in mixed martial arts. He's got the hand speed, he's got the precision... And we saw in his last fight that he's got flashy kicks as well that that we didn't see in that second fight against Cain Velasquez. He just seemed stale. He seemed like he couldn't do anything in the second fight. We know he had personal troubles, which obviously you you can put that towards the fight, but it's not going to play into how the the fight ultimately played out. Um, But we didn't see him work that Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt that he has off of his back. He, He simply tried to get back to his feet. Um... I'm picking Cain Velasquez. I can see him taking Junior Dos Santos down and grinding out a decision or punishing him on the ground via TKO. But I would love to see Junior Dos Santos work a little more in this fight. And if he is able to, then there is always that chance that he can get that big knockout if he's able to get back to his feet. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with that remark you made that he is one of the best boxers in MMA. The only thing that's probably holding him back from being the best boxer in MMA is the defensive side of his boxing. His attack is brilliant. He, he goes to the body. He, he has a great jab. He's got, obviously, that big power shot that, you know, not many heavyweights have the ability to land consistently like Junior Dos Santos has. But it's just, you know, blocking any kind of attack. And Kane definitely found a little chink in the armor that nobody had seemed to find on Dos Santos. So, you know, if you watch them countdown shows, it looks like both guys are, are thinking that they're going to have to change their game plans dramatically for this fight. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, we've spoken about the main card. we got one of the main card competitors coming up right after this break. We're going to be chatting with Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Frank. Painstakingly, I'm a problem when it comes to this rhyming. I'm like an atom bomb waiting for the drop flying over Hiroshima. Yeah. Telling me I'm nice on this mic, but somehow the flow gets meaner. Uh. Each verse dispersed and toe tagging the beat. He's taking on Roy Nelson in the co-main event this Saturday night at UFC 166. Please welcome Daniel Cormier back to the show. DC, thanks for doing this, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just kind of hanging out, you know, just... Sitting here in the morning time, trying to trying to wake up, man. I had a long night last night. Oh yeah, what'd you get up to? 
I went Grand Theft Auto crazy last night, dude. Seriously, I normally like I I, I was telling the last I was telling the last guy normally my girlfriend she's like, hey Daniel, it's eleven thirty. You got practice in the morning. You need to go to bed. Well, shoot, she's not in Houston, so I'm just in my hotel with my Xbox, and that is a bad combination. <laughs> no kidding. Well, now let's get started right off with with your opponent Roy Nelson. Many people wondered why you wanted this matchup because you called him out, and and I mean he's ranked at number nine while you're at two. What exactly does this fight do for you? I think this fight allows me and me to me, me and Roy to put all the stuff to bed, man. Like the the me turning down the fight. The uh, you know I'm pretty sure. Listen, if I was Roy Nelson, I would actually be a little upset at me for not take not being able to take that fight in July, because then it would have been both of us fighting on three weeks' notice. Instead, he had to fight a guy that was prepared, had a full training camp. So uh, we get to put that to rest too. You know, I feel like honestly, by not taking that fight, I put Roy in a bad situation, and uh, it cost him. You know, so uh, there's a lot of issues that him and I have to put to bed. We can do that on Saturday night. One issue, I'm, I'm sure this is a question that you've already been asked a lot, and, and, and it's going to keep continuing going forward, is Roy Nelson's beard. Um, you've asked him to shave that for the fight. We saw that happen a couple weeks ago with fighters at UFC 165. What's the news on this right now? Hey, we're still like, I'm still on a waiting pattern, man. I'm going to talk to the UFC today and see if there's anything. I, I doubt it's going to happen, but I think it's had its desired effect at this point. Yeah, um, he's reported, and, and by the looks of photos, he's in pretty good shape, and he's actually, it looks like he's lost a ton of weight. Um, did this come into any consideration for game planning? That he lost weight? Yeah. No, I mean, no, that didn't, that didn't affect anything I do. I mean, I think if anything, that'll help me, you know, because he's smaller. You know, I think the biggest advantage he was going to have in the fight was probably his size, you know, because those guys... Those guys actually, uh, they're big on me, you know, so as I, as I keep moving into them and fighting them, sometimes they get real heavy, you know, and that starts to wear me down, but uh, him being small is going to do nothing but help me. Now, now, as I said, we know that you weren't the fighter many expected in your UFC debut. It was a grinding affair. Um, do you feel that you have a lot more to prove in this fight, and can we see you looking for the finish against Roy? I mean, I, I always... I always feel like I have something to prove, you know, but it's it's to myself, you know, it's it's to my team, you know, for the people that, that sacrifice for me and with me on a daily basis, you know, I feel like I have to go out and show the fans what we've all worked on day to day in the gym, you know, and and and, uh, and uh, I feel like I have to prove to them that I am employing the strategy that we work, that we work, and uh, uh, and, and actually. Uh, show the fans that how hard I'm working in the gym every day to, to put on exciting fights, you know. So, yeah, I feel like I have to prove a little bit to myself and, and to the fans, but uh, not so much that I'm, I'm going to put myself in danger of uh, losing the fight. Now, has it been a blessing or, or a hindrance having Kane fight the same night, especially with you having to do double duties as a coach and a fighter? Well, that's, that's going to be a little tough. I mean, I... Obviously, because I expect Roy Nelson and I to have a a, a, a great hard fight, but um, you know, it's it's been a blessing, man. I wouldn't change it. You know, having your teammate prepare for a fight on the same exact night. I mean, all the workouts are pretty much together. 
everything we do is together because we're preparing to peak at the exact same time. So uh, if I had to, if I had to say the the, the positives far outweigh the negatives. Yeah. Now we know that we've heard in the past that you're you're still planning on being in his corner for the main event. Will there be enough time for you to get your medicals and everything done and still be out there to corner the champ? Well, I'm going to try. I mean, the UFC, they're on, they're, they seem to be on board. They haven't told us no, so obviously they feel like there's enough time. So uh, I think it'll work out, actually. Now, moving away... I don't know how, but I think it's going to work out. <laughs> moving away from your fight, um, after this fight, you plan on going down to 205. You and John Jones have had some verbal jabs back and forth. Um, you're a different guy and a different fighter than Alexander Gustafson, but after watching that fight, was there anything that you could take away from that and incorporate into your style? You know, I watched that fight as a fan because I didn't really look at it as, as being a competitor for him because I have my, I have Roy Nelson to actually focus on. Like My sole focus has been Roy Nelson, so... I've kind of went. I went away from watching it in those terms. So I would have to go back after I don't have someone standing in front of me, look at this fight, and uh, and try and break down little things I saw in the fight that could help me in a future bout, hopefully. But um, again, all that none of that will happen if I don't get past this guy on Saturday night. So uh, as a fan, though, I was I was impressed with Gustafson, and I thought it was a great fight. And and win or lose, you plan on going down to 205, you've said. Does that mean heavyweight is completely done with, or would you entertain fights if they were interesting challenges? Well, I mean, I, you know, I would, I would probably uh, entertain them. I've always said that I just want to fight big fights. You know, I would be at 205, and if they gave me a big, interesting fight at, at heavyweight, I would take it. You know, I, I want to be involved in interesting fights, big fights, and, and uh, as long as they don't involve having King Velasquez on the opposite side of the cage, I'd be willing to do it. Has the has the healthiness and cut? I know I know we have that get fit with Daniel Cormier thing going on, and, and all that stuff. How's that going right now? Have Have you seen many people sign up for that? I've seen people do it. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's been good. I've seen uh, I've seen some results in people, and I've seen results in myself. So uh, it's going fine right now. I would like to make a, a bigger push. And I think we will after uh, after people start seeing me with more weight loss and smaller and everything. So, yeah, I think it's going great so far. So in a perfect world, Saturday night, Roy Nelson, how does Daniel Cormier finish him? Uh, you know what? I'd like to finish the fight. You know, if I could, if I could land a, a nice, solid combination and put him down and be the first guy to finish him in the UFC, that would be a huge feather in my cap. I have a ton of respect for Roy and his ability to to withstand punishment and the toughness and durability that he shows every time he's in the cage. But uh, if I could put him down and get a finish, I think it would be great. Finally, uh, before we let you go here, obviously media day today for you. You've got media coming up in the next couple days. How many more hours do you plan on putting into GTA 5 over the next couple days? Uh, honestly, man, it's going to be uh, in between media, Grand Theft Auto. Before I go to bed, Grant that Auto. And then Saturday before the fight, when I have the whole day to just do nothing, Grant that Auto. <laughs> he, he is Daniel Cormier. He's fighting Roy Nelson this Saturday night. Before we let you go, Daniel, please just let people know how they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. On Twitter, DC underscore MMA, Instagram, DC underscore MMA, Facebook, Daniel Cormier MMA. 
Thanks a bunch, Daniel, and good luck this Saturday night. No problem, thank you. Daniel Cormier will be making his second appearance inside the Octagon this Saturday night, as we mentioned, against big country Roy Nelson. And win or lose, he'll be dropping down to 205 pounds, and he'd like to challenge John Jones for that title. Um, we'll see what he makes of that. Um, not much else to say. We've spoken about UFC 166 in depth earlier on in the show, um, but we'd like to get on to our next guest. We have the lovely Sarah Kaufman coming up after this. New name, same flow. Yeah. Concave brain waves, can't imagine it. Ox blood, box cutter flow, been smashing it. Yeah. Roll dice, rock holes in your laminate. Floor makes space for the souls in your cabinet. Oh, plot for the black antagonist. She's set to make her octagon debut at UFC 166 against Jessica I. Please welcome back to the show, Sarah Kaufman. Sarah, thanks for doing this. No, it's always great talking to you guys. Now, you were expected to make your UFC de- UFC debut against Sarah McMahon back in August, but were forced off the card because McMahon was injured. Now, that was a pretty big matchup since many were considering Sarah McMahon that one that could possibly dethrone Ronda Rousey. Are you still disappointed that you didn't get to, to face her in your UFC debut? Uh, you know, I'm disappointed that I didn't get to fight on August 28th. Um, had it been you know, someone else on August 28th, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I I think that it would have been a great fight between Sarah and myself. But at the end of the day, um, you know, she pulled up for personal reasons and and wasn't able to compete. And I haven't really heard much, much from her since then. So hopefully she's all right. And, and, you know, it would have been a big win for me. But at the end of the day, I'm there to fight and I'll fight, you know, whomever they need me to. Are you surprised that it that it took this long for you to get on another card? I mean, yeah, it's only two months, but that's a long time to stay in a training camp. It definitely is a long time, and uh, you know, it's it kind of like ended up being a, being a twenty week fight camp or, or whatever it's been. So it, it's been hard, but at the same time, it's it's part of the fight game. You have to be ready. You have to be able to train and adapt to to things and. And that's what I've had to do. Now, this is your first test inside the octagon. Uh, many people talk about octagon jitters and, and things like that. Do you believe in that? Um, you know, I think that there's always extra added pressure when you're when you're stuck, you know, doing something you haven't done before. And, and so, of course, there's going to be some pressure there. Um, hopefully, that doesn't affect me too much. And, um, you know, I've fought in the biggest organizations in the world, so... This is just one more step towards that. Sarah, your opponent, Jessica I will also be making her debut in the promotion. Um, she's currently on a, a decent win streak. I think it's seven in a row now. Do you think that you know fighting somebody who's, who's on such a big win streak makes it tougher for you to come in and fight them because you know they've got that winning mentality automatically in their head? Uh, I mean, of course, winning is, is a really positive thing that definitely pushes you towards... Um, having that kind of confidence building and that um, that kind of invincibility, if you will, uh, to me, I don't I don't care what they're coming off of. You know, I'm more about what I'm going to do in the cage, and I honestly think that Jessica's a great fight for me. I think it's a great fight for the fans, and I think that ultimately we're gonna we're gonna get some attention off of this fight. 
Now, is Jessica somebody that you've had your eye on as a potential opponent? Because I know, obviously, before she did sign for the UFC, she spent most of her fighting below 135, you know, fighting in Bellator 125, etc. So uh, were you surprised that she got the nod to come up to 135? Um, honestly, I didn't know much about Jessica prior to prior to kind of having the, the word that she was going to be stepping in to fight. And mostly because I'd heard of her as a 125er and I just wouldn't have considered, um, you know, kind of keeping my eye <laughs> my eye on her. If you, uh, you know, as a potential opponent because she she's a 125er and I don't, you know, 135er. Yeah, now, she, you know, if you look at her skill set, she's, she's pretty well-rounded. Uh, is there anywhere that you see that you're actually going to be able to exploit her that, you know, she's not going to expect? It's hard to know how someone's going to come out to fight, but I think that we are very similar in a lot of aspects. And I think that that's one of the reasons that the fight will be exciting because, you know, we're both known for stand-up, but, you know, I have a ground game, she has a ground game. Who knows if, if it ends up going there, you know, what happens. But, uh, you know, I'm confident really in all areas of my of my mixed martial arts, and I think that she um, is probably similar to that. But at the end of the day, we'll probably end up uh, treating some weather for sure. Now, many women in mixed martial arts end up training with men in their camps for the majority of the, of their training camps. Um, you train at Zuma, which which is a great camp, but you also train with Greg Jackson, who has a ton of high class women in the Jackson Winklejohns camp. What's it like to train with such high class women? It, it's amazing. It, you know, women are definitely different than men, and they move differently, and and emotionally they're differently. So when when you're sparring. Um, you know, it, it is different um, in a good way, for sure. Um, but I don't think it's bad to be training with guys either. I, I don't think that there really matters if you have girls in your camp or guys in your camp. Um, it, it's great to kind of have that mix of of people. And I think the important part is getting different body types and, and different experiences through through the styles that you're that you're training with, so that you're not too too one dimensional in terms of what you're expecting. Now, this season, sort of moving away from your fight and, and stuff like that, this season of The Ultimate Fighter has Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate as the the coaches, women and men in the house. Um, have you watched the show, and what are your thoughts on it thus far? Because it's sort of playing off um, good against evil in uh, between the two coaches. Uh, you know, I haven't watched all of the episodes. I've watched little bits here and there, and... From what I've seen, you know, I, I'm mostly interested in the, in the fights. I don't actually care to watch all the drama things that, that are going on, which is the reason that they picked Misha and, and Ronda to be the coaches um, once Kat fell through. Um, I'm sure it's great for ratings. It's just not uh, not my main focus in, in terms of what I'd actually watch. So I haven't seen most of most of the shenanigans. Now, you spoke about the fights. There's arguments going around that people are digging the women's fights on tough much more than the men's. And we hear that a lot of the times um, during pay-per-views and, and UFC fight cards and Invicta fight cards and whatnot, that the women put on the show a lot more than the men. Why do you think this is? Um, I think women just like to scrap, and, and we've always been in a position of needing to prove that, that we deserve to be there and and kind of validating our worst in terms of, of the fight game. And 
maybe it's because, you know, we're 135 pounds as opposed to a lot of the, the men's fights, which are contested higher weight classes. But in general, fights at 135 pounds are exciting fights to watch. And right now, you know, we're, we're kind of the new trend. We're something that is a bit different. Uh, we do stand out. You know, there'll be maybe one, if you're lucky, maybe two, if, if it's a crazy card, you know, female fights on the card. So it's something that, that I think stands out. Um, and, you know, and most of us know that it's important that we put on exciting shows and, and that's what, that's what we go out there to do. Yeah, and, and Sarah, obviously, we're just talking there that the female fights on The Ultimate Fighter have definitely been a hit. Would you be interested down the line in being a coach on The Ultimate Fighter? I love coaching. Um, you know, I coach a lot at Zuma and, and, and with my teammates here, and I teach little Bulldogs class, like to three-year-olds and, and you know, six-year-olds. You know, so I, I coach a lot of different people in different styles, and I think that I, I would make a great coach. Um, and if, if the opportunity came up, came up for sure, I would take it. Okay, and, and one last question. We do appreciate your time. Uh, we found out this week that Kat Zingano's injured her other knee. Um, in a perfect world, if you go through and, and beat Jessica I, do you, do you think that puts you right at the top of the table for the title? Well, I think a fight with Kat would be a great fight. I think it would be exciting, and, um, you know, based on how the, the UFC and Zufa and and everyone else who's involved as the rankings, you know, that would that's a fight that would make sense. She is Sarah Kaufman. She's taking on Jessica I at UFC 166. Uh, Sarah, thanks for doing this, and uh, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Oh, well, of course, you know, thank you for having me on. You guys are, you know, local local group. It's great to to kind of keep it in BC and. Uh, yeah, anyone who wants to get a hold of me on Twitter at MMA Sarah, you can send me uh, send me messages or, or the post there. Uh, I also have Facebook, and then of course my website SarahKaufman.ca. Thanks a lot, Sarah, and good luck next Saturday. Thanks so much. I'm very excited to see Sarah Kaufman make her UFC debut. I'm a little upset, though, because I was really, really excited to see her face off against Sarah McMahon. Um, this fight against Jessica I is going to be fun as well, but, but it would have been interesting to see her take on Sarah McMahon. It would, but I'm, I'm going to stick to our sucker radio curse, Jeremy. I'm actually picking Jessica I to win this fight. I've been watching a, a lot of Jessica's fights the, the last couple of days, and I'm, I am interested to see how she's going to put that weight on to make 135, and, and Kaufman is a big 135 for the female ranks, but I think the speed is going to be the difference, and, and Kaufman sometimes gets drawn into other fighters' fights and not fighting her own fight, so I'm picking I skeptically on that one, but you know that's a great fight, and I think they're going to keep up the trend of every great female fight that they've had in the UFC so far. And how do you how do you see it playing out? Because I mean, Kaufman is is so great at making the fight go where she wants it to go. She uses her boxing. Um, she's able to keep her opponents at range, and and when she wants to take the fight to the ground, she does. How do you see I taking advantage of her game? I think I is going to use a, a lot of speed to counter. You know, Kaufman's got power. His stand up technique is is great. But I think I is going to use, you know, the speed that she carries as a natural 125er. And I think she's going to use that to, to get in close. She'll probably get a couple of takedowns on Kaufman, take her to the ground. I think Kaufman can take her to the ground and she's good there. But on her back, she's very, you know, dodgy. She's had a few problems there in the past on her back. Um, 
you know, it's a great fight. It's actually really close. I, you know, I, I can't really argue with anyone picking Kaufman because the, these are two female fighters that you just don't know what they're going to bring until they, you actually actually see them in the UFC cage because it's a different entity. For sure, and and this is a fight that I would have liked to see on the main card, maybe instead of the Gonzaga-Jordan fight, or just to get those females a little bit more exposure. Yeah, definitely, but, you know, this this card in general is a stacked card. If, if you look at the rest of the prelims, you know, Hector Lombard, Nate Marquardt is down there. We've got Tim Budge, C.B. Dolloway, and uh, George Sotropoulos, K.J. Nooms, and then you've got the Facebook fights on top of that. It's It's a very good card, and... You know, I'm, a lot of people always say, you know, a fight should be on, on the pay-per-view, but if you're going to buy the pay-per-view in any way, you're probably going to watch the free fights regardless. So it shouldn't really matter where a fight takes place on the card, in my opinion. That's true. We spoke about the Nate Marquardt-Hector Lombard fight last week as we had Lombard on the show, but let's just sort of get your opinion on some of these other fights um, from the from the prelims and, and just sort of your pick for a fight of the night, I guess, as well. And, and we'll just go over a few more of the fights here. I'm, I'm very excited to watch uh, the lightweight battle between George Sotaropoulos and KJ Nunes because these two guys both bring it. Um, Sotaropoulos, obviously, submission specialist. KJ Nunes has that great kickboxing. Who are you taking in this one? Yeah, that's a, a hard fight to pick because it's such a... A dynamic style matchup because, as you said, KJ Noon's a stand-up fighter. George Sarabla's fantastic on the ground. KJ Noon's takedown defense has got a lot better. You know, it hasn't been as terrible as it was in his early part of his MMA career. Sotaropoulos in his last couple of fights has shown a little bit of a, a problem defensively on the feet. So it, it's hard. I think if Sotaropoulos gets to the ground, he'll, he'll submit KJ Noon's comfortably. But... I'm going to go against the grain. I'm picking KJ Noons to land a knockout punch. Funny enough, I am as well. I, I, So many people coming out of the Ultimate Fighter were such huge George Sotaropoulos fans, and, and I couldn't get drawn into that 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 stigma of being a George Sotaropoulos fan. I thought he was he was a, gr- a great grappler, and, and everyone knows that. He's got the great submission game, that Eddie Bravo jiu-jitsu stuff. But I just I couldn't get behind him, and and I think KJ yeah. Nunes is going to have what it takes to beat George Sotaropoulos. Yeah, and you know, Jeremy, I I can say it for you. You know, it's pretty easy to say George Sotaropoulos comes off as a little bit of a dick. <laughs> I guess you from the UK uh, uh, can say that as as you had a bit of a a beef with with Australia there, right? Yeah, and it's the only time that we've actually won something worth celebrating. <laughs> well, the uh, the. You know the main event on the the preliminary card is is Tim Bosch against CB Dalloway. Uh, what do you think of this fight? It's it's interesting to look at on paper. Uh, CB Dalloway obviously very uh, renowned for his Ultimate Fighter time, and uh, Tim Bosch known for coming back against Yushin Okami. Yeah, I think. <sighs> You know, a lot of people are going to look at this fight and they look at the the guys fighting and they're going to think it's boring. I think this fight has a little bit of a potential to be a dark horse for fight tonight, purely because Tim Butch always looks good against guys who want to wrestle with him. Not guys who are going to stand with him because his, his technical boxing isn't great. CB Dolloway is relentless on his slams. And, you know, some of my favorite Tim Butch moments, bar the Yushinakami knockout, are... Him throwing David Heath into the cage, him judo slamming Nick Ring. So I think if CB Dolloway comes to gravel, Tim Butch might do something quite exciting. I'm actually picking CB Dolloway in this one. He may be the underdog, 
But uh, I think he's he's going to come and bring it against Tim Bosch, and, and I could see him picking up possibly a submission victory over him, as as we've seen with his crazy Peruvian neckties. It's possible. I'm 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 actually going to pick Tim Bosch just purely because I'm going to put this out there, Jeremy. Jason Mayhem Miller drops C.B. Dalloway. <laughs> Jason Mayhem Miller. Let's put that into perspective. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. We're going to talk. I'll, I'll let you talk one more time about this fight card. You said this could be your dark horse for fight of the night. Is this the fight you're picking as fight of the night, or is there something else on the fight card for UFC 166 that sort of draws your attention? You know, this, there's a few. I think, obviously, you could look at Dos Santos and Kane and think that's going to be an exciting fight. So the, I think that has to be the favorite for fight of the night. If you're looking at... You know, if you look at somewhere to bet, which a lot of people do like to bet on the fight of the night, I'd probably throw my money either behind the women's fight or John Dodson versus Daryl Montague. Even the first fight on the preliminary card between uh, Dustin Pegg against uh, the Japanese guy whose name I don't want to pronounce could possibly turn out to be fight of the night as well, I think. But if I were to put money on it myself, I, I'd probably stick it behind the women uh, with Sarah Kaufman and Jessica I. Yeah, and I'll say that Japanese guy's name because he is someone we I think we might need to keep an eye out on, Kayoshi Horiguchi, because I've seen him fight before in, in Shuto, and he's only 22. Dustin Pegg isn't a world beater. It's kind of a fight that I think the UFC are looking at it to be in his outcome for a, a good Asian bantamweight that they're going to try and get behind. So I'm excited for that. You know, we didn't even get to another fight that I think on the Facebook card's really good. Adlan Amagov versus TJ Wahlberg. I was actually talking? just about to mention that. I said we were finished here, but this is a fight that, that I think people need to keep their eye on as well. Yeah, Amagov's kicking style is fantastic, and, and Wahlberg as submission finishes are excellent. So, you know, this card has a bit of a thing for everyone. I, I'm really, really excited to sit down and watch this. Amagov is a, he's, I believe, he's a Jackson fighter, correct? He is indeed. Um, I got to hear a little bit of Greg Jackson talking about Amagov this week. He was saying that he's one of those guys at the gym who everyone likes and he's got a, a lot of things going for him, but he just hasn't had the chance to really show what he's capable of. And, you know, Waldberg isn't great on the feet of Amagov and stuff them takedowns. We might be able to see some kind of knockout of the night kick because some of the kicks he was throwing in, in his past UFC fights have been fantastic. Yeah, I heard uh, Mike Winklejohn actually name him as one of those guys that you, you have to keep your eye on as an up-and-coming talent that's coming out of the Jackson-Winklejohn camp. So I'm fairly excited about this fight. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, there isn't a bad fight on this card in my opinion, Jeremy. I think this is going to be... Hello. 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 This is going to be. Ian, you there? Hello. 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 I can. Hello. I can hear you now. Yeah, I can't hear. So you were saying this is going to be. I'm saying this is going to be the best card of the year, um, until UFC 167 at least. Wow. Well, last week's show we had one of the most stacked shows we had in Sucker Radio history. Um, it's short history that it's been, but. Uh, one of the most stacked shows. This show, uh, coming right up there with it, I- I'd like to thank our guests. Um, we started off the show with Kendall Grove. Thank you to him. He's got a big test coming up this Friday night at Bellator. 
I'd like to thank Tony Ferguson, who's who's fighting Mike Rio, as we said, on the UFC 166 Facebook portion of the card. I'd like to thank Daniel Cormier, who's taking on Roy Nelson and could get a shot in the light heavyweight division with a victory here. And our final guest, I'd like to thank Sarah Kaufman, who who knows where she's going to end up with a victory if she wins against Jessica I. It could be, you know, it could be that fight against Kat Zingano for number one contendership, or it could be against Ronda Rousey or Misha Tate. Definitely, and you know, the women's division is starting to heat up. Can't wait for that that title fight to open up. You know, possible other contenders for Ronda Rousey or Misha Tate. Um, I'd like to thank our musical guest, as always, for the month of October, Edgar Penwork. Uh, you can check out his music at AudioMac slash um, artist slash edge and uh, support him. I'd like to thank you, Ian, for taking the time to do this. Thank you very much, Jeremy. It's been a pleasure. And uh, as always, thank you for listening to Sucker Radio. You can hear us on Facebook, Twitter, find us on MMA Opinion, you can find us on MMA Sucka, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to music, you can find Sucker Radio. Um, that's it for this week, and uh, we'll catch you in the flip side. We are women, we are free, we're bringing an end to the patriarchy. We are women, here are pain, we are women, here are shout, we are women, we have no doubt, we are women, we are free. We are Shut the fuck up! Thank you. Oh, my N-word, huh? What What's up, up homie, huh? Oh. <laughs> oh. What a, is that how you act, huh? When a, when a friend makes a mistake, huh? No. Really? Oh, no. What, oh, so what, it's just me getting hurt? Is that funny? No, huh? man. Well, fuck you! I'm gonna put you in the fucking ground, you laugh at me again. Man, calm down. I have met a lot of assholes in my life, but you... Oh, you're not long for this world if this is the way you fucking act, you little jumped-up motherfucker! Look, how about this, man? Calm down. It was funny at first, man. I made a mistake. Unfortunately, man, you failed. It was funny, all right? I apologize. I accept.